Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 25th, and our chapter for today is the book of Philemon. There's only one chapter. Philemon, even though it is one of the smallest books in the entire Bible, it is power-packed with truth that will set us free in this sinful, dark, and perverted generation. You see, the Apostle Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter to Philemon, his dear friend in the city of Colossae. Now, Philemon were given no account as to how he came to Christ, but more than likely, Paul had won him to the Lord while he was pastor and elder of the church at Ephesus, which is not that far from the general area of Colossae and the churches of the Revelation in chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation. But Paul is writing from prison, and while he has been in prison, he met a runaway slave by the name of Onesimus. Now, Onesimus had fled, escaped slavery from Colossae, from the household of Philemon, and he had made his way to Rome, and there he had come to know Jesus and the message of redemption and forgiveness. And now the Apostle Paul, after discipling him and training him, is sending him back to his owner. And he could be sending him back to certain death. Because you see, under Roman law, a slave who ran away from his master could and most likely would face the death penalty. But the Apostle Paul believed that these two men, one a master and one a slave, that in Jesus, they would be more than that. They would be brothers. And the Apostle Paul wanted Philemon to understand the great principle behind forgiveness. And so we're going to read through this letter to just help us understand the depth of what Paul is asking. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend. That's what the term beloved is. It is in the context of his friendship. And he said, a fellow laborer. In other words, Philemon was in the service of Jesus to the beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Now, it could be that Philemon, an older man, this was his wife, Aphia, and Archippus was perhaps his own son, and there was a church in the home there. And this was very common during the days of the first century. And he gave the common greeting, Irene, and Shalom, or peace, and grace, Karas, Karin, and so he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Evidently, he was a very generous man and was a benefactor to many in Colossae, was probably the owner of many, many slaves. That was not uncommon during this period. 
that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and encouragement, consolation in your love, because of the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. And so Paul is trying to help him to understand what he's about to ask, and he is appealing to his walk with God, his generosity, his kindness, his testimony, his witness. You see, all of that is part of our lives, and what we do is on open display for everybody to see. You and I cannot make confession of Jesus and profession of our faith in Him without people having higher expectations than they do of everyone else. You see, the follower of Jesus is not to live like everyone else. We are not to be in the natural world. Even though we live here, we are supernatural in our orientation. We have been born again. We have been born from above. We've not only had a natural birth, but a spiritual birth. And this is the life that we live. This is why the Apostle Paul said to the church at Colossae, set your affection on things above, not on things on this earth. Because that's where Jesus is, and that's where we're going one day. And this life that we're living is like a drop in the ocean to what it's going to be throughout all eternity. And now he comes to verse 8, and he says, Therefore, on the basis of everything that I've just said unto you, and your walk with God, and your testimony, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. In other words, Paul said, what I'm about to ask you to do voluntarily, I could command you to do for Jesus' sake. He said, yet for love's sake, I am rather appealing to you. Being such a one as Paul, he said, now I'm coming to you as Paul, the elder, the aged one, and I'm now a prisoner of Jesus Christ because of what I shared with you, because of what I shared with the people at Colossae and Ephesus. I appeal to you from my son, Onesimus, and he uses this term of endearment that this is not just someone that came off the street. Paul looked at him as a son, like he did Timothy or Titus, whom I have begot. He has been born again while I have been in prison. I have met him. He's come to me. I have led him now to faith in Christ. And this man was once unprofitable to you, but now he's profitable to you and to me. And he said, I am sending him back to you. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart. You receive him as you would receive me, whom I wish to keep with me. He said, I need him here more than you need him there, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the good news, the gospel of Christ, which I'm sharing. He said that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. He said, I could keep him. You owe me everything. But I'm not going to do that. He said, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. And I want to just stop here and say just a word to all of us. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But now how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. What Paul is saying is, now I know Onesimus ran away from you. I know he deserves death and you could put him to death. 
I know that he stole from you. I know that he took things he shouldn't. But now listen to me. God had a bigger purpose. Let me say to all of us, many times what we think is something that is bad that happened to us, that is people have betrayed us, have taken from us, people we've been good to, but they're away from us a while. They're estranged from us a while. Maybe they don't come to us as they once did. Maybe they don't hang around with us. Maybe they have talked about us, mistreated us. They've made threats to us, whatever the case is. They've tried to ruin us. They've tried to harm us. Paul said this about Onesimus and his owner, his slave owner, his master, Philemon. God had a bigger purpose. When you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to see that often, not on a small scale, but on a large scale, What people themselves even mean for evil, God turns around for good. God has a greater, a bigger, a larger purpose than just what we see. And those of us who are followers of Jesus have to come to the point to where we trust him and that we do the right thing, not because of what someone did to us or what we have a right to do. Let me just remind us that Jesus didn't call us to do what we have a right to do. Jesus called us to do the right thing. And often it is contrary to what people would be telling us to do, but you and I have to do the right thing in Jesus' name. And we need to do it out of a sense of service and love to the Lord Jesus. Look what he's done for us. And so Paul says in verse 17, if then you count me as a partner, if indeed you say this and that about me that's so good, well, then he said, I want you to now put this into practice. If he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. Paul said, if he stole something, if he owes you anything, then I'll pay for it. Don't you dare charge him. You charge me. And he said, I, Paul, am writing to you with my own hand. And so he was writing this out with his bad eyes, with everything that he did. He said, I will repay, not to mention, he said, and I'm going to repay you for anything you owe, but I'm not going to bring up what you owe me. Of course, he just did. But he said, not to mention that you owe me even your own self. Besides, he said, what would you have been? You would have been in hell if I hadn't have been sent by God to you. And he said, so now what I want you to do, brother, is let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart. What I've been saying about you, prove it to be true. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. He said, I know you're such a generous kind. God has done such a work in your heart that even what I'm asking, that you receive him as a brother, that you not lay this to his charge, but that you receive him not just as a slave and you the master, but as a brother, as you would receive me. I know you're going to do even more than I'm asking. In the meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I'll be granted to you. And so Paul wanted him to know that if he could, he's going to come and see him because Onesimus is dear to him. And then he talks about Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. What a tremendous word of encouragement for all of us. Onesimus 
was truly born from above. God had changed his life. Now, we do not have whatever happened to Onesimus. He's mentioned in the book of Colossians chapter 4 as one of those that was with the apostle Paul and that he was sending him back. All of that's in Colossians 4. I believe it starts at verse 7. You can check it. In, and it's just a couple of verses. But Onesimus is mentioned. And he's from that Asia Minor area there that the Lord Jesus wrote to in the book of Revelation that the Apostle Paul spent so much time in. But we don't hear any more about Onesimus. But in church history, we do. When you read the early church fathers, one of them, Ignatius, says that Onesimus became the pastor of the great epicenter of Christianity in Ephesus after John was exiled to Patmos. And so you had the Apostle Paul as pastor of Ephesus and the founder of the church there as God used him. And he stayed three years there. He came and stayed for three years at Ephesus, the longest ministry that he had. After that, just think about it. <laughs> you had Apollos, uh, Timothy, Apollos, then John, and then Onesimus. That's a pretty good lineup of pastors. And so Onesimus is counted as of great value. Can God take a slave, a nobody, someone that has been in rebellion, that has done criminal things and ungodly things and turn them around and use them for his glory? Why, of course he can. After all, God is in the business of taking nobodies and making somebodies out of them in Jesus. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.